0: Thank you. Singing challenge today, so if y'all could sing out and help me out, I'd appreciate it. You don't know that one. More like the master I would ever be. Three hundred and twenty-five, three hundred twenty-five in the blue.
1: Here we go. More like the master
0: the voice for it today, so sorry. She's actually doing a wonderful job. I just can't do it. Yeah, it's hard for me right now. Uh, so let's go to 492. I, I pulled up three songs just in case, so it works. 492. 492. before Some prayer, please. Please do be seated. Thank you, Donia. Well, I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 1 again tonight. John chapter 1. Let me remind you, for those of us going to the Esther program on Saturday, we'll be leaving here at 1130. We'll be... uh, um, uh, those of us who are meeting down there, will be meeting at the uh, country, what's it called, country what buffet? Say it again? It is just the country buffet. Yeah, and so uh, we'll be meeting at the country buffet about 1 o'clock. And so please do be there at that time. Please do communicate so we won't lose anybody. And, uh, and uh, so anyhow, if you have any questions, please do talk to Mindy about that. In John chapter 1... It's very interesting to read all the writings of John. It's good to remember that he was the friend of Jesus. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. Because of that, he was given some of the greatest revelation into the person of Jesus Christ. That's one of the privileges of being a friend of Jesus. You know, Some people know Jesus exists. Some people have heard the name Jesus. And other people are intimate and close and can describe him and know him. And it just uh, that's just a very important thing. And so John is doing all that he can here to reveal the one he loves to us, okay? And he's talking about his ministry here. Now, we've already looked a couple times, but I want to begin in verse 9, if you will, in verse 9. And the Bible says in verse 9, it says, that was the true light. And he's talking about Jesus here. He's, he's, saying, he's saying, John was not the light, okay? But in verse 9, he's saying, that was the true light. He's talking about Jesus now. He's not talking about John. He says, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now get a hold of this, because a lot of times we read over this part. And we beheld his glory. I mean, stop and pause on that. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. Now get a hold of this. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him, or revealed him, or showed himself to us, or showed him to us. So let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises tonight. We do thank you for the opportunity to be here. Father, be with those who are apart from us. Uh, Some are on vacation. I just pray that you give them a time of refreshment. Uh, Father, we pray for those who might be sick, that you put your healing upon them. And Father, convict and draw those who should be here tonight. Father, meet with us, open our understanding, and then just help us to try to reveal our friend, the one that invites us to to have that intimate of a relationship with him. Help us to reveal him to a lost and dying world, a world in darkness and in blackness. And Father, just help us to learn this text that we might do your will. We ask this now in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. You know, the intro to the book of Revelation needs to be read carefully. Have you guys ever read it? Keep yourself here, because I want us to go there. Go to Revelation chapter 1. And I want you to read this very carefully. Miss Abigail, could you go get me a roll of paper towels, please? Um, In Revelation chapter 1, uh, if you read it kind of slow, you won't miss it. But it's real easy to read over this. In Revelation 1 1, the Bible says this it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, can you all say the next clause with me? Which God gave unto him. Get a hold of this. Who did he give that revelation to? To Jesus Christ. okay. And so if you will, John is continually being used by God to reveal Christ unto us. If you think about it, in the very beginning of creation, everything was dark. And God said, let there be light. And he separated the light from the darkness and and in the book of John, we've seen this, how that he uses light for relationship with God and salvation and, and knowing him. And darkness would be sin and death and Satan. And, and okay, and he's given us this metaphor. By the way, John uses it in all of his writings. He does it again in the book of Revelation. But here's what I want you to see from this. The Bible says the re- revelation was given to him, given to Jesus, so that we might know... Um, what all the promises Israel were looking for would be revealed, okay, or in whom they would all be revealed. Again, keep reading. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified or signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And so, if you will, this in a way was answering the apostles' question that they asked him right before he ascended. Okay, Uh, if you will, go to Acts chapter 1, look at verse 6. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. You're getting ready for Jesus to go back to heaven. And a lot of the promises that they were looking for hadn't been revealed yet. One of which was this. What is, this sounds like a silly question, what is Jesus' name? Jesus Christ. Very good, that is correct. But Jesus is his name, means the Lord is salvation. Another way of saying it is Emmanuel. But Christ is his place in Scripture that He has fulfilled. Christ means the anointed one. And in Hebrew, the word anointed one is Messiah. Okay? How many times do you think the word Messiah is used in the Bible? Anyone to guess? And think about it, the Jews were looking for a Messiah. We'll look at this here in a second. Folks, the word Messiah is only used four times in the Bible. Only four times. Now, Christ is used a lot. And they'll ask, art thou the Christ? Art thou the one that we're to be looking for? And so a lot of times we just see the word Christ. But I want you to understand that the Jews were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a king. And I'll, I'll show you this more here in just a second. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, the Bible says this. It says, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? You know what they were asking? They were were saying, if your name's Jesus Christ, when are you going to be the Christ? (laughs) When are you going to be the Messiah? When are you going to be the one we're looking for? And the word Messiah is used for the king that was going to come and rule and reign on earth and have a forever kingdom. Okay, that's what they were looking for. And so they asked him that question. By the way, he didn't answer that question. He did kind of answer it in, in the book of Revelation. And so notice a lot of times we, we read this and maybe we misunderstand it. But look what it says in verse 7. It says, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. He says, I'm not going to tell you. Okay? He says, not for you. He says, which the Father had put in his own power. Now, just remember what we just read. The book of Revelation, which was given unto him. Now, in the book of Revelation, it was time to answer this question. When was your kingdom coming, and how was it going to be set up? And give us more details. And so, if you will, when he ascended, that wasn't the right time. But folks, uh, let me see 60 years later, 60 plus years later, now's the time. Because that's how many years are uh, transpired from the time of Jesus going to heaven and John writing the book of Revelation. And so the Bible says that that book of Revelation was given unto him to answer those questions, these very questions that they were asking here. He says, now is not the time. But the book of Revelation, it was the time. You all see that? And what is the purpose? So that they might see him. They might understand him. Uh, Let me show you what I told you here a second ago. Go to Daniel chapter 2, please. Daniel chapter 2. And I'll have you write these verses down. You go back and look for them yourself. By the way, today's been a good day. I've had a lot of people ask me questions today. And that that excites me when I know people are studying their Bibles, you know. And and I had a question today asked me about Balaam. And how many times have I asked you about Balaam? You know, people reached out to me today to ask about Balaam. But in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44... The Bible says, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. And you remember Daniel chapter 2, this is the statue with the head of gold and the the shoulders of silver and the chest of brass and the legs of iron and then the feet of iron and clay. And it was a statue of all the kingdoms that were going to rule over Israel until the Bible says a stone cut without hands was going to descend from heaven. And it was going to crush the image in its feet. And then it was going to grow up a, an everlasting kingdom. Okay. And that's what he says here in verse 44. In verse 44 it says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the king shall not be left to other people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And it shall stand, What's the Bible say there? Forever. They're looking for a forever king. You all understand that? And so whenever they were asking him about, is now your kingdom? Is now when you're going to do it? You can understand why they were so excited because one of the prophecies was he was going to destroy all the other kingdoms and he was going to rule forever. Man, they were looking forward to that. Is now the time? No, now it's not the time. Okay. And if you want to read the book of Revelation, you can see and he gives you a further understanding of when that time will be. Go to uh, chapter 9, look at Verse 25. Because there's the prophecy, okay? And in uh, Daniel chapter 9, in verse 25, the Bible says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be set with me seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, okay? And the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. By the way, he's talking about weeks of years. And so if you take 69 and multiply it by 360, he told you to the day he was going to come back and fulfill this prophecy. It's not the purpose of this message here. But folks, I've told you when he came and he got on the, 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 the donkey, you know, and they started throwing their clothes in front of him, and Hosanna, Hosanna in the name of the Lord, he was presenting himself as the fulfillment of this prophecy. And, of course, a week later they crucified him. Okay? And so my whole point is this. Is he told them to the day when he was going to come. To the day if they would have just believed the text. Because they could have, done, they could have known when that commandment was given. And they could have known um, to be looking for him. And yet they were not. Which is sad to say. Uh, the Bible says in our text, he came into his own and his own received him not. Think about this. He said, I'm coming on this day. Be waiting for me. And, the, and they weren't waiting for him. Matter of fact, they, they, they came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now he's talking about mankind, but he's also talking about uh, the nation of Israel. Now think about it. This is the only time in the Old Testament where Jesus is referred to as the Messiah. These two verses, verse uh, 25 and verse 27 in, in uh, Daniel chapter 9... And then uh, uh, he is referred to uh, Messiah again in the book of John, by the way. It's interesting that God does this. Go to John chapter 1, look at verse 41. Get us back closer to our text here. John 1 and verse 41. We'll look at this if we have enough time. The Bible says, and he first findeth his own brother. He's talking talk about uh, Andrew. It says, He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and he saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Okay, so any time I tell you Christ and Messiah are the same, that's where we get that. Okay, from the verse here. And so he said, We found him. We found the Messiah. We found the Christ. We found the one who's going to rule and reign. By the way, that also helps you understand why John the Baptist says, Are you the one we're looking for, or should we look for another? Because we're, we're looking for you to come sit on a, a, a throne on earth. Well... They rejected him as king, so he can't sit on the throne. Okay, uh, go to John chapter four and look verse twenty-five. I want you to think about this for a second. The next time that he was called Messiah was by the woman at the well. And in John chapter four and verse twenty-five, uh, the woman said unto him, "I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things." And so, even the even the Samaritans were looking for the Messiah. Okay, who knows how many people were looking for this this Messiah here, okay? Now, why am I teaching all this? This is all foundational, okay? So get a hold of this. The nature of revelation is progressive, okay? What I mean by that is, how many of you all have a finite brain? Thank you. <laughs> I bet there's more of us than that. <laughs> How many y'all have a finite brain? Remember how you learn math? So the first day of kindergarten, they taught you trigonometry. Y'all remember that, right? <laughs> no, they didn't do that, did they? They said, this is a one, this is a two, this is a three. You guys remember that? And you had to do one, two, two, two. And then in the second grade, they said, this is how you add these numbers, you know? Two apples plus two apples equals four apples, okay? And, and so it, then you learn that, and then you learn multiplications of more and more and more. Until math becomes quite the tool if you have the insight and the understanding of it. Well, please take this the right way. The Bible can give us pretty good understanding, too. A minute ago, I said they could have counted the days and known exactly what day Jesus should have appeared to present himself as king. Do you think if people would have paid attention to the Bible, they could have known that? Um, I was watching a video this last week, and whether you believe it or not, you can if you want to, you can't if you want to. Anybody know how coal is made? How's coal made? Um, it it, it the lever the lever
1: says and um um the lever if it's, if it's um um some days it's cold and some days is hot.
0: In the earth. Very good. That's pretty close. <laughs> well, let me expand on that because it's pretty good. Coal is made by vegetation dying and having earth put on top of it and then it's slowly but surely compressed and uh, and then it turns into coal, okay? Most of the coal on the earth was made at the flood, okay? How long does it take to make coals? Does anybody know? Nobody here knows how long it takes to make coal? I know what flood means. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Guys, you can make coal. You can literally today, if you'll take pressure cooker or whatever, take a piece of wood, put it in the right pressure conditions. You can make coal in five days. You could probably make it faster than that if you have the right pressures and temperatures. Okay? My whole point is this. We believe most of the coal in the earth happened at the flood. You all with me? So help me now. What happens when you find baby shoes in coal? What happens when you find hammers in coal? What happens when you find jewelry in coal? What does that tell you? Come on, folks. People were around. By the way, some people, you can believe it or not, I tend to believe it. I'm kind of a weirdo. They have found model airplanes in coal. And you say, well, that's nonsense. They have not. They've found it. I'm just telling you. I just read an article today about them finding baby shoes in a salt mine. Well, help me for a second here. How many of y'all think that baby shoes evolved out of salt? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Love this kid, man. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. You're doing a good job. Folks, my whole point is this. I got a point. What's my point? Um, oh, there we go. There we go. How long did they live before the flood? Um, um, the flood from the cold you're about? <laughs> Let me answer it. Okay. Okay. Could they have lived 900 years, one human lifetime? How many of y'all, uh, if you knew you were going to live 900 years, would learn a new subject? You'd go back to school. And most of us have just stopped learning. Why? Because we're like, well, what am I going to learn more for? You all with me? But if you live 900 years, you realize all of us could play piano, and all of us could be good mathematicians, and all of us could be scientists. And to be quite honest with you, we could have quite a bit of knowledge. Why don't we have that exponential understanding of knowledge? Because we all take it to the grave with us, guys. You guys understand that? When babies are born, they have to start all over, y'all with me? And you live so long, accomplish what you can, and then you die. And then somebody, they have to start learning, and boom, and learning. and So why don't people, why don't we know all this? I'll tell you why, we just haven't had enough time to figure it out. I'm going to ask you a question, it's rhetorical, you know the answer, but how many of y'all learn something every time you truly study this book? Well, you've been studying it for decades. You're telling me you're still learning things out of here? Okay. Well, that's the nature of revelation, okay? Because God understands that we can't just read a text and understand everything, okay? And so, if you will, the Bible talks about in the book of Isaiah, and I, I wanted to develop this more, but I'm running out of time, but uh, the Bible says that he teaches us line upon line, precept upon precept, okay? And I really want to preach from that portion of Scripture because that's not all it says about that. But the whole point is this, is that God has to illuminate us, okay, a little piece at a time. And it doesn't build in every generation. When you have children, they don't, they're not born going, hey, I understand everything mom and dad understands. No, they're born saying, i got to learn everything mom and dad learned. Y'all understand that, and so God is continually trying to reveal things to us, who are born in spiritual darkness. And He's trying to enlighten our minds, help us to understand who Jesus Christ is. Y'all with me? And so it's very important for us to understand this, okay? Because this the the, the message I've entitled it John and Revelation. Revelation means to pull a pull a Away the covers okay to remove re, to remove the cover, so to reveal something you guys understand that, and so to pull back the curtain that's the word I'm looking for to pull back the curtain and to reveal who the person of Jesus Christ, okay, and so if you will, if we can't get anything else out of this, we need to understand that When we read the book of John, God is doing all he can through John to take and to reveal who Jesus Christ is to us. Amen. And we ought to be more intimate with our knowledge of Jesus Christ every day. Why? Because that is the whole purpose for us being Christians and growing in the things of God. And that's what John is trying to say. In a sense, he's saying, I knew him best. Now, I want you to know him as well as I knew him. Okay? And that's his motivation. That's his heart. And so the first thing that we see, go back to our text in John chapter 1, okay? Why is God revealing himself to us? Well, he gives the answer, okay? And so the Bible says here in verses 9 through 18 that God is revealing himself to us through his son. Okay? Because he's saying in the last days he's revealed himself unto us through his son. So if you look at Jesus, then you'll understand who God is. Now we've talked about that, so we'll move on. Okay, but for what purpose? Well, he tells us for what purpose. Look at verse 7. In verse 7, the Bible says, The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light, say it with me, that all men through him might believe. Okay? And so, you know, a lot of times the reason people don't get saved, they don't even know who Jesus is. You guys ever, I use this as an illustration every once in a while, you guys ever watch Jeopardy? I like watching Jeopardy. And as long as they stay in a category that I know something about, I can do all right. But every once in a while they'll have a category. I, and it's interesting to me, some of those people are super geniuses. You guys know that, right? And, and yet, you do a Bible category for them, and it's, it's laughable how little they know about the Word of God. Wise in their own eyes, but absolutely ignorant concerning the person of Jesus Christ. Well, folks, why did God give us this book? By the way, why did God give us creation? It's to reveal Christ. It's to reveal God. Okay, why? So that men might believe. What, what is God's revelation purpose? So that men might believe. We're not trying to understand him more so that we can be more intimate. Personally, we're, doing, we're trying to understand more so that other people might believe and we can, we can have an, an effective witness. And then, and so the Bible says in verse 12, so that they might be believed, but also so that he might be received. In verse 12, the Bible says this, it says, but as many as received him. Okay. You you guys, uh, uh, the other day I bought a comic book. Please forgive me. I was feeling nostalgic. I saw one and I said, I'd like to look at that, you know, and see. And you you remember the back of the comic books, they always had ads. You could take and you could cut out points and send them in and and, and, and they always had the monkeys. You guys remember the monkeys? And, and you could buy and have your own set of these monkeys. Okay. Well, think about this. A lot of people, when it comes to the things of God, say, I don't want to see it. And I don't want to hear it. And sad to say, sometimes Christians would say, I don't want to talk about it. Amen. Well, the problem is, when you do that, you're literally saying, I don't want to receive it, okay? When a baby starts crying for food, you put a bottle in their mouth. What's the first thing they do, man? It's just nom, 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 nom right? And uh, you ever seen a, a baby who was truly hungry? You put milk in their mouth and, no, I don't want that. I mean, you would have to say something's wrong with the milk if, if it was something like that, right? My whole point is this is God reveals himself so that he might be received. Look, see, hear, receive. Amen. Why? Well, he says it in verse 12. You know this verse. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them, say it with me, the last part, that believe. How then do you receive Jesus Christ? Through faith. I believe he is the son of God. I believe he died for my sins i believe i'm a sinner in need of a savior i believe what god has revealed to me okay and so if you will uh verse seven tells us that he reveals so that we might believe we might uh uh, we are we believe by receiving uh in their eyes okay uh figuratively verse nine look what verse nine says that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world y'all see that you know what that's saying God has revealed himself to every human being who's ever lived on earth. That's what that verse says. Now they might not have read a King James Bible, but he has revealed themselves to them. Okay. Why? Well, by the way, he's talking about receiving through the eyes here. But he's really talking more about receiving him through the heart. It's figurative. How many of you all know John, uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Okay? And so he's saying this. He's saying, listen, it's all about that heart faith. Okay? So where does God want to reveal himself? He doesn't really want to reveal himself to our eyes and to our ears. Okay? He wants to reveal himself to our heart. Can I just say this? If you truly want to have that relationship that John had as a friend, the beloved of God, you all understand? Then you're going to be looking to see God everywhere you go. We were a few weeks ago, we were on top of a mountain. Can I tell you this? We were looking at trees and rocks and birds and things. But I'm telling you, the whole time we're thinking about God because of the majesty up there. You all understand? And and, and so when we come to church and we sing his praises, we think about God. And when we read the book, we think about God. And when we go outside and we look at the heaven and the stars, we think about God. Why? Because he's trying not just to get to our eyes, but to get to our heart. Okay? And and so if you will. And then then what does he do? He transforms us into the sons of God. Okay? Look what the Bible says in verse... uh, it says uh, again in verse twelve it says, But as to many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Did y'all see that? What's a son of God? That sounds like a silly question. What's a son of God?
1: You answer Almighty. The son of God means um the son means God
0: is everywhere. Yeah, amen. Jim. Yeah, very good. And so, if you will, a son is somebody who by direct generation, okay, what do you call somebody who is a father figure but not a father? You call him a stepdad. What's the word step? Step means once removed. You all understand that? Not really the father, but once removed. You all understand that? And so, if you will, that's an important important thing to understand. Who are sons of God in the Bible? Who are sons of God? Who? Believers. Okay. And so we have that verse right here. And so those who are born again believers. The Bible also, remember we looked at this a couple weeks ago when he was talking to Nicodemus. He said, you must be born again. Okay. You must be born again so you can become a son of God. Uh, why? We're not born physically as the children of God, but we're reborn spiritually spiritually. Into the sons of God. y'all understand that? And so in a sense it's adoption. But it's also transformation. And if you will we're born again. What about angels? Are angels the sons of God? Well be careful about that. Because Job chapter 1 and verse 6 says they are. Okay. But think about this. God created the angels. y'all understand that? And so if you will. They are the sons of God. Okay. And that becomes important in other places. Who else is the son of God? The Bible says Adam was the son of God, okay? But how come we're not born sons of God? Yes, we are not um, um, son of God because um, um, we're not new. Well, amen. <laughs> well, we're, we got that once removed relationship. We're the children of the devil, okay? So if you will, we're the children of the devil until we're born again. And then, of course, folks, Jesus Christ is the son of God. One of his names is Emmanuel. What's Emmanuel mean? God with us. Okay? And so if you will, uh, he says we have the power to become the sons of God, not physically, but spiritually by being born again. That will be important here in a second. Okay? I'm not, remember, we're learning line upon line, precept upon precept. All this is building. Okay? And look at verse 13. That's a very interesting verse. Okay? God revealed himself through the Son so that men might be reaped believe so that he might be received into their hearts, spiritual rebirth, we become the sons of God. And so that all men might be impacted. How many of y'all believe God's not willing that any should perish? How many of y'all believe this that world means world? And by the way, if you read chapter one, I could I could preach a whole lesson just on this. But help me now, y'all know John three sixteen all right, so help me here, for God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So God so loved the and Calvinists would tell you, well that only means that only means believers, the created world and, and God's design and those he No, that's nonsense because all you gotta do is read chapter one and realize that in chapter one he's talking about the lost world. He's talking about the lost world and he uses world to talk about lost people. And folks, um, my whole point is this, I'm not trying to argue Calvinism in front of you here tonight, but what I am telling you is people misuse Scripture to take and to believe wrong things. Verse 13 is a powerful verse. Look what verse 13 says. It says, which were born, that, by the way, that, does that mean born again? Yes. Which were born, not of blood, n- nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Okay, meaning what, guys, God didn't just come here to be Israel's Messiah. God didn't come here just to be Israel's Christ. God didn't come here just to be Israel's savior. God came to save the sins of the whole world. And so he said, not by blood. What's that mean? He said he didn't come here for just the nation of Israel. That's blood. You all understand that? And so he's saying very clearly here, he said, God is not a national God. Why is that important? Well, Egypt has their gods, and Babylon has their gods, and Norway has their gods, and, and, uh, and uh, Britain has their gods, and uh, the Native Americans have their gods. And so who's the greatest God? Well, which one? I mean, there's just so many different ways. And God said, no. He said, listen, there's only one God, and he's not the God of one nation. He is the God of creation. Okay? That's powerful. Look at that verse there. It's powerful. He's not the God of a nation. He's not the God of a blood. He's the God of all mankind. The Bible says he's not of the will of the flesh. He's not an appeased God. What do I mean by that? Folks, the will of the flesh is this. Is a lot of times people, by their good works and their good intentions, they'll do all that they can to appe- appease a God so that he'll allow them into his paradise or his heaven or his whatever you want to call it, okay? Well, no, God doesn't have to be appeased. Why? Because Jesus Christ did all the work of salvation. Amen, okay? Um, and then he just, uh, the Bible says, not by the will of man. He's not a sought-out God. Meaning what? Well, it's only the super spiritual who get saved. Please take this the right way. How many of y'all are glad there's some pretty wicked guys in the Bible who have a right relationship with God? Amen, okay? Meaning this, we ought to be very thankful that it's not depending on how spiritual we are if we got a right relationship with God. He says, not by blood, not by the will of the flesh, not by the will of man, but by, what's the Bible say, verse 13? But of, who who, who did all the work of salvation? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God did it all. And, the, and then the God-man did it all, Christ, absolutely, okay? And so, if you will, God revealed himself here through the Son, and he's teaching a very important lesson now. Now, in verses 19 through 34 of John chapter 1, they start asking John, well, who are you then? What's your message then, okay? And so in verse 19, they ask him at the very end there, who art thou? And in verse twenty, he confessed and denied not, but confessed, "I am not the Christ." I know you're looking for a Messiah. I know you're looking for the Christ. I'm not him. Okay. And so the Bible says that those that believed his message were baptized of him, and then at this time he was in Bethabara in uh, next to the Jordan River. Okay. But um, does anybody know the history of baptism to Israel? By the way, does anybody know baptism in the Old Testament? And you're gonna find out the answer is that is no. Okay? You're not gonna find a baptism in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, you're not even gonna hear a prophecy of baptism. And so baptism had to mean something to them. Okay? Well, they've actually dug up old Jewish baptistries, okay? And the old Jewish baptistries, they would be I'm giving you estimations here. They'd be about this wide, maybe this, you know. This wide here. And it's shaped kind of like that. And they would be filled with water, and there would be a priest uh, up on top. And you would have a Gentile convert to Judaism. Okay? Meaning they had they're a Gentile. They're not they're not an Israelite. And they said, We believe that the God of Israel is the God. Okay? And so they become a convert, all right? They get circumcised. And um, so then they're in a covenant relationship with uh, with Israel, with Abraham, okay? And they would uh, take a bath. They would put on a white garment. By the way, we kind of follow that even today. We put on white garments sometimes for baptism, okay? And what they would do is they would take and they would walk down the stairs, Excuse me. And this side is the old man, okay? When they got into the bottom in the middle of the baptistry, they would then dunk themselves, and it was the priest's job to push the hair down like a good Baptist, make sure everything gets baptized. <laughs> Amen? And then they would take and they would walk out the side, the other side as someone who was born again, okay? Meaning they had been born into a new relationship with God. Now they were the sons of Abraham, Okay, and so remember who came? The Bible says there in in verse nineteen, who came, if you will? Well, the Bible says it was it was the scribes and the Pharisees. Okay, and they did not like John's message. You know why? Because John was saying your Messiah is coming and you're not ready. And just like these Gentiles over here, you need to have your sins washed. Okay, now does baptism wash your sins away? No, but if you have the faith to obey, it's the faith that saves you. This is just the ritual that shows what you've done. You guys understand that? The reason that they were so offended, though, is they were saying, wait a minute, we be Abraham's children. We don't have to be baptized. We're going to heaven because we're related to Abraham. And John is saying, that's not how you go to heaven, not by blood. Amen, you have to listen very good. (laughs) Amen, not by blood, okay? And so if you will, we see here that that is the picture of baptism was not for Jews, it was for Gentile converts, and that's why it was so offensive to the Jewish leadership, okay? The convert to John's preaching and knowledge that they were not ready to receive their Messiah, and they asked for their sins to be forgiven, they became as babes in Christ, if you want to look that one up, that's 1 Peter 2.2. 2. And then they became obedient to a right that would be abhorrent to someone who had Abraham for their father, okay? How many of y'all would be offended if we had a baptism here next week? How many of y'all would be happy if we had a baptism here next week? Well, can I just tell you this? It hadn't always been like that, folks. Especially in the early beginnings, a lot of Christians, when they got baptized, their own family would disown them. Some of them would want to kill them. How many of you all know this? If a Muslim was to become converted and get baptized, many of those families would want to kill their own children. Okay? Because it's an offensive thought. Okay? But if Jesus Christ is revealed to you, you just say, Lord, what would you have me do? I mean, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul said. Lord, what would you have me to do? Amen. And, and so uh, we see God revealed himself according to the baptizer in his message. And then uh, go down in John chapter 1, look at verse 35. We see that God was revealed to the disciples by John. Okay, How many of y'all are, are deep theologians? I mean, you know how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. Anybody here? I'm just joking about that, obviously. Folks, how many of y'all feel like you know enough Bible to witness to just about anybody? No hands? Folks, I've been doing all I can the last few weeks to tell you that we can. Because it's not our words of wisdom. It's just pointing people to Jesus and letting the Holy Ghost work in their heart. And... The Bible says in John chapter 31, verse 35, the Bible says this. It says again the next day after John stood and excuse me, and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Please take this away. All he did was say, That's him. That's him. You guys know a verse that would be uh, acceptable and appropriate. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so, if you will, literally, all we got to do in the simplest form is say, listen, trust Christ, okay? You can point people to Christ. People might say, well, I'm I'm a member of this church. They say, church can't save you. Well, I was baptized when I was seven. Baptism can't save you. But you can point people to Christ, amen? And so, just in that simple term, you can reveal the truth that it's, it's, it's Christ, it's Christ. It's, it's, it's not even the, uh, any of the things that are going on in this chapter. John was pointing people to Christ. That's the one I've been talking about. That's the one I've been living for. That is the one that made a difference in my life. Uh, last of all, and, and I'm just skipping ahead, but go to verse 43. Go to verse 43. We see here that the disciples began to reveal Christ, Okay. John's been pointing everybody to Christ. And now Jesus calls a couple disciples, and then they all begin to start pointing people to Christ. In verse 43, the Bible says, The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was at Saed, of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write." Can you all say this with me next? here, ready? Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Please take this the right way. That might not have been the most exciting thing to say about Jesus. We look at that and say, that's truth. Yeah, it is truth. The only problem is if you knew what those words meant, you would go, what? Jesus of Nazareth? The son of Joseph? By the way, who's Messiah is supposed to be the son of? supposed to be the son of God. How can can this guy be the Messiah? Well, in verse 46, that was the very question he said. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, say it with me, please. Come and see. Why don't you just come and see? The Bible tells us in verse 45 that they could understand who the Messiah was according to Moses and the prophets, okay? And if they were to study the Bible, his conclusion was the prophet can't come from Nazareth, okay? Well, maybe you need to study your Bible a little bit more because I'm going to let you in a little secret. Our Savior came from Nazareth. Amen. Was he born there? No, but he certainly lived there, okay? He he certainly lived there, (laughs) And think about this. He says, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Folks, there's a reason why they asked that question. Nazareth was a place of darkness, spiritual darkness, quoted that way, even in the book of Genesis, said it was a dark place, okay? It says, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Come and see. Wait a minute, he's the son of Joseph. Folks, what did that mean? Folks, in John chapter 8 and verse 41, they said, we be not born of fornication. You know what they meant? Joseph wasn't your father. Folks, it was well known. Amen? Well, what am I trying to say? Folks, if you can just get an honest and willing mind, all you got to do is you got to say, come and see. Come and see. Because if somebody's not willing to come and see, you're not going to get their heart changed. You're not going to get their mind changed. Why? Because they've got this going on. Okay, And what is our job? Our job is to try to reveal Christ. Do we have all the answers? No. But you know what we can do? Come and see. I'll answer whatever questions I can. I can get you to somebody that knows. But come and see. You know, if you think about it, cults and false religions, all they do is cloud the issue. Help me now. If we had a Catholic, a Jew, a Lutheran, a Methodist, a Scientologist... And they all started talking about Jesus. What would they descend into? Come on now. An argument, fighting, and questioning. And we think this and we think that. And can I just say this? The best thing to do is say, Come and see. Come and see how? Come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself if Jesus can come from Nazareth. Come and see for yourself if he is the son of Joseph. Come and see for yourself as he is God. Come and see for yourself because the illumination is here if you're willing to let it in. And the thing about a dark heart is this. As long as they keep their eyes and their ears closed, it'll never be enlightened. And a person needs to be willing to listen and to hear. What is the implication for us? Because we're here on a Wednesday night. You guys are sitting here thinking, well, we believe that. We practice that. What are you preaching to us for? Folks, I'm not trying to make a difference in your life. I'm trying to make a difference in the life of the world out there. But let me do say this. There are times where Christians, listen to me now, do this. And there are times when Christians do this. And the reason is, is because they're determined to do that or this or this or that. They're not willing to let God enlighten them as to what is His good and perfect will to lead them in faith and greater faith and greater opportunities. And really, it's all about this: is God just wants us to know Him more? You remember where, it was John, it John, Paul that said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. I just want to know him. I just want him to reveal himself. I just want him to enlighten me. Why? So that I can be a light in a dark and a dying world. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to take and open your word. I pray, Lord, that you would open our understandings. Father, that you would reveal yourself to us. Father, that we could have a greater closeness.